Hi, this is Beth Capici. I am happy to be back here again for Off the Field with Scenic City Neurotherapy. I loved being here last time and I'm excited to have two more episodes to go, including today. So I am here again with Charles Miller, the owner of Scenic City Neurotherapy and a specialist in PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder named Anna McCurdy. So hello, Anna. Hi, how are you? Good. It's nice to have you here and to meet you. Thank you. I've heard your name. I'm a psychologist, just in case you don't know, and I have a podcast called Never Perfect um, with an ADHD psychologist. That's in the title as well because I have ADHD. So um, I love learning about trauma and neurotherapy and have just been really blown away by Scenic City Neurotherapy and what they do. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice? Uh, Yeah, so, um, well, like you said, I'm Anna McCurdy. I'm a mental health therapist. I specialize in treating trauma. And, you know, I run a small private practice here in town called Railroad Valley Therapeutics. Railroad Valley Therapeutics? Mm -hmm. It's a mouthful, I know, but it has a reason. It's uh, a family name. That's good. Um, I just wanted to make sure I heard you right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so um, I got into doing what I do Um, in undergrad I was you know studying you know my course psychology courses I took a behavioral neuroscience course and kind of fell in love and really liked studying the brain and kind of figuring out why we do what we do Mm -hmm. and so I did that and then I um, came across a lady by the name of Nora Volkov So she was a neuro, or I'm sure she still is, mm-hmm. but she's a neuroscientist that studied addictions. Oh, nice. And so I, you know, kind of emulated her and, and in grad school, um, that's what I did was uh, studied addictions and clinical counseling. And then when I got into the field, um, I was working with offenders. So multiple demographics, so men, women, all ages, all different kind of Um, backgrounds, symptom profiles, and working with them, it became pretty apparent pretty quickly that the underlying issue was predominantly trauma Mm -hmm. of some sort. So meaning that most of the addicts that you worked with really had a core root potential cause of trauma. Yeah, so um, the way I see it is addiction is a symptom of trauma, Mm -hmm. typically. Mm -hmm. And working with offenders prison is also a symptom of trauma Mm. and uh, so I came to that understanding pretty quickly it's pretty obvious um, when you're working you know in that arena Um, and so that's what I started studying and that's what led me to start my practice and you know learn about trauma and I'm still doing that a lot to learn still that's amazing I love people that are willing to specialize in such a you know really painful but prevalent field and um, I know that Charles is very passionate about trauma work as well so um, well I definitely want to hear a little more about your practice I know Charles will probably ask you some great questions but Charles can you just introduce yourself for those who weren't um, you know able to hear the first podcast we did before Uh, absolutely my name is Charles Miller I'm the primary provider and founder of Scenic City Neurotherapy in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're Chattanooga's first uh, full t- and oldest uh, full-time dedicated ketamine infusion center. 
We also offer um, transcranial magnetic stimulation in the treatment of different mood disorders. We also treat other things besides mood disorders like chronic pain conditions, um, early, the early signs of dementia so through our brain optimization protocols. Uh, we have uh, you know, grown over the last three years to learn more and embrace more and work with other providers like Anna that has helped build our community connection to make sure that we can see what uh, we, we're mo- that we're moving the field of mental health forward for Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. That brain optimization word is a is a mouthful as well. Um, that it is. It can means you there's a lot that? to yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brain optimization. It means that we're not focusing on treating the symptomologies. We're not. We're not worried about. You know, it's you know we're not looking directly at depression and trying to make you not feel depression. We're not looking at anxiety or PTSD and trying to make these things feel less acute. We optimize the way the brain communicates by challenging the brain essentially with an anesthetic or with electromagnetic stimulation. And the whole purpose of that is the brain's response. The brain responds by you know uh, stimulating an optimization effect. It releases proteins that rebuilds the brain, that rebuilds connections. And depending on the patient, depending on their support system and their knowledge and education that we provide, um, it takes as long as it takes. Some people get through very quickly. Others, it takes a little longer. But it's a process of optimization that treats many different things. Hmm. I like that because it, the way you describe it, you know, is a bit like making your, strong, your brain stronger by pushing it to its limits a little bit. It's yeah. It's uh, well. Our brain, our our brain is not that much different than the rest of our body. There are so many redundancies built into the human body to where, if one area starts to fail, another area will compensate. And the brain is no different. It's you know. In fact, you know, as you know, in the case of PTSD, when we talk about the neuronal lesions that develop in response to periods of heightened stress and trauma, we we see these dark spots, these areas that the communication just stops. Mm -hmm. And specifically when it stops in the prefrontal cortex, we see processing issues. We see a disconnected feeling or dissociation feeling that occurs immediately following a trauma. And then that usually progresses into a mood disorder Mm -hmm. of, you know, chronic anxiety, uh, depression, and uh, all the other symptoms that we see with post-traumatic stress. It's, uh, it's, you know, the trick, is, you know, you know, we are by no means the fix, but what we do is we get the anatomy working appropriately. We turn these areas back on that have turned off and then we hand them off to someone like Anna who carry in yourself that carry them forward. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like physical therapy after a knee replacement. It gets, you know, the knee replacement only does so much. It gets the anatomy correct, mm-hmm. but then you have to learn how to use it and you have to strengthen it and build on it. Mm-hmm. So you really believe in partnering with people like Anna and other therapists to do different portions of the work. Oh, absolutely. It's we are by no means, you know, a one stop answer. Mm-hmm. I wish we were. That would be awesome. But it's uh, this is a complex problem and it has complex solutions and it requires my skills and your skills. And we all have to work together to get the patient as far as possible. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that many times. And in fact, you know, you may turn down clients who you feel like simply need therapy, but they don't need the neurotherapy. Um, so I love that you respect the complementarity of different, you know, 
professions that can help your body, your brain just regenerate and, and get healthier. So, well, good. Well, so Anna, can you talk a little bit about trauma and just post-traumatic stress disorder and just, you know, I don't know what, what you feel helps as far as your own practice and then Charles and what they do? Sure. So kind of in a nutshell, uh, what PTSD is, is when there is an exposure to an event that threatens your well-being. Mm -hmm. And so the, you know, DSM, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that we use in the field for research, it gets used for um, practice as well, right, clinically. And that's not always, you know, the most appropriate. So Mm -hmm. I find that those events that are defined in there are limiting. And so pretty much anything that you come in contact with, that your nervous system comes in contact with, that feels threatening to your well-being. And well-being Mm -hmm. can look like a lot of different things for different people. But in general, um, two main things that you can feel threatened by are safety and connection. So mm-hmm. physical safety and connection to others. It's, it's just primal for us. Mm-hmm. We value connection and attachment as much as shelter, food, and water. Mm. And so when that is threatened in some way, um, not necessarily a fatal way, but when that's threatened, our nervous system reacts. Mm-hmm. And if it is not able to react effectively, and complete that stress response that we're all built with, mm-hmm. um, the fight, flight, freeze, and so on. If that's not effective for that threat, then we have a lingering overactive system. Mm-hmm. And we develop beliefs based on that inability to manage that threat. And so we see um, you know, that material continuing to intrude in our psyche because the brain's asking for that to process but we weren't able to manage it the first time and sometimes we continue not to be able to kind of like flashbacks or flashbacks trauma, nightmares hypervigilance, intrusive thought so hypervigilance actually comes from your nervous system trying to protect you from future mm. threats mm-hmm. right so that overactive that arousal mm-hmm. symptomatology that's just a heightened you know awareness or yeah it's just an overactive nervous system right so Mm -hmm. and that's trying to make sure that you are better prepared Mm -hmm. at any future threats or at dealing with any future threats Mm -hmm. um and so you know if this happens in the short term and we're able to find a way to manage it then that is you know adjustment disorder acute stress and then that resolves the brain is able to process that material Mm -hmm and the nervous system calms down over a long term if that doesn't resolve it turns into what we call post-traumatic stress Mm -hmm. and so that's what we're looking at managing with uh, treatments like ketamine infusion and how trauma specific therapies come into that Mm -hmm. yeah I think a lot of people underestimate how much trauma that we all have in this life we tend to have stereotypes it's with car accidents or you know first responders uh, war veterans and so people may think I don't have trauma and I have heard some trauma specialists label it big T little t yes um, and you know that's a, a 
nice enough understanding uh, again i think it's a bit limited yeah um because you know we all experience life differently mm-hmm. and what feels threatening to mm. one person might not feel threatening to That's somebody a great else point. right so big t might feel like a little t kind of thing and so it's it's a reasonable classification but again you know in my opinion it makes more sense to look at the individual Mm-hmm. And go by case by case of what how their their nervous system has interacted with their environment, internal right. and external environment. That's a great point because even someone with social anxiety, for instance, might have trauma just over something as simple as a teacher called on me. I didn't know the answer. Mm-hmm. And I panicked, that was traumatic, and someone might say, that's not trauma. But for someone with social anxiety, any kind of embarrassing situation could be as traumatic as a car accident or a tornado, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and I've also, you know, in my practices as yours, I'm sure, work with people who've been through an affair in the marriage, and that's incredibly traumatic and betrayal of the relationship sort that you mentioned. Um, But I have had you know, one woman in particular years ago that said, I would rather my husband cheat on me than lie to me about money. And there was a big lie over money. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, not you, you've got to be careful that you don't assume this is harder than that, because it mm-hmm. depends on who it is. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's an excellent point. I think the subjective nature of mental health overall is one of the things that makes this such a such a misunderstood field it's mm-hmm. it's because it's like yeah you look over here and we if, if we were to figure everything out for this one group of patients but then you come over here and these people process different mm-hmm. or they or you know like like Anna said it's like so what's big to some is not so big to others or vice versa you know it's, yes. um, it has to be approached you know individually mm-hmm. it's uh, and making sure that uh, we're meeting those needs and that the physiology is optimized. One of the things about ketamine infusion therapy, the reason it's it's not you know the reason it's so effective with with many different mood disorders, but PTSD in particular, is that it doesn't. It's not the ketamine fixing the patient. It's not this one answer for all these problems. It it's a catalyst. It goes in. It triggers the brain's natural response. So it's playing off the the individual person's natural you know physiology and anatomy. To self-correct, just like you know, you know, even though we all use the same neurotransmitters, we use them in varying degrees. You know, mm-hmm. the the neurotransmitters I need to get through the day are, you know, the same ones, but they're, you know, the volume mm-hmm. of those neurotransmitters is very different. So, increasing certain neurotransmitters has a limited effect, which is why people have struggled so much with your, you know, your classical antidepressant therapies that mm-hmm. are out there. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why you're so passionate about recommending therapy and you know that Scenic City Neurotherapy doesn't necessarily address every single aspect of someone's problem. Mm-hmm. And maybe, and I know you love, you know that I like putting out these analogies and having you tweak them. But, um, you know, if I'm a big fan, as I know you are, of getting someone to take the natural supplements like D3 and B12 and Um, fish oil or Mm omega-3s and magnesium and NAC is one I'm becoming more familiar with but um, all those are wonderful for brain health but it doesn't address the specifics of do you have social anxiety have you been through an affair in your marriage and so similarly Charles what you do really you know helps the brain optimize itself heal Mm -hmm. 
but it's not specific to whether they necessarily have, you know, an affair situation or they're, they've lost their job. It's just helping their brain overall. Absolutely. Well, we, you know, supplementation, optimization, making sure that your body has what it needs to heal appropriately will only get you so far. But, you know, all the vitamin D in the world is not going to make you understand or process a trauma. Mm-hmm. It will assist. It's it's there's no one answer. I think mm-hmm. that's something that we need to admit with all mm-hmm. mental with all, all all medicine is there's no magic fix. There's no magic pill. There never will be. Mm. Um, this Amen. is, yeah, it's something that if we can just wrap our brains around that, we can all move forward. Yeah, it's, uh, let's all agree. That it takes, you know, a little, you know, a little bit of what I do. It's going to take what you do. It's going to take, you know, what our psychiatrists and, and our psychologists and, 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 and every piece of the puzzle and even just physical optimization, taking care of your body, it helps to mm-hmm. take care of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's definitely a multimodal approach. Mm. Love that. Um, so Anna, it takes so much courage to heal from anything and, you know, trauma, the multiple traumas that we all deal with. And COVID, of course, is one that we're going to be talking about here in a few minutes. There's so much trauma there that is kind of new the last two and a half years. Can you tell us about the stages of trauma treatment or psychotherapy? Yeah, so... Um how I was trained there are kind of different models for this but they all have the same stages they're Mm -hmm. just labeled differently Mm -hmm. Um, so if you look at the four stage model um, the first stage is just the assessment phase assessment phase Mm -hmm. Um, like I said earlier figuring out what's going on with that person's nervous system and their beliefs about themselves and beliefs about the world right Mm -hmm. and you know understanding that and then moving into you know what have they because we're adaptive creatures mm-hmm. right so we adapt to negative experiences and so what are their adapta- adaptations that are serving them what are the ones that are getting in the way and then where are the areas that we need to balance out with skills or regulation mm-hmm. and that is phase two so learning to regulate self-regulate and learning to regulate in session to prep for any specific treatment and that's phase three so that is where if the brain with the skills that they are learning does not you know find a way to kind of spontaneously integrate right Mm -hmm. because like i said earlier the brain's trying to do that anyway Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the discomfort with ptsd comes from is the brain's attempt at trying to heal Mm. it wants to do that and so when it comes up against barriers of not being able to to do that to move from the you know um limbic system is the emotional brain Mm -hmm. and that's where trauma memories are stored that are unresolved and if it is not able to move that into the higher parts of the brain um then we want to teach those skills and learn how to regulate the system so that when that material comes up either naturally or intentionally in the office the brain can do that Mm. And so that's phase three and uh, desensitization and reprocessing. So desensitization is where the material doesn't really get fully integrated, but when it comes up, that stress response doesn't engage. It's not needed. So you're learning to decrease the severity of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so that makes the experience of being you know who you are uh, much more pleasant Mm -hmm. and you can you know 
be more functional in your life. And then kind of going past that, being able to not have that stress response allows the brain to integrate that material. And then when it comes back up, it has new meaning and it no longer elicits that response. And a person can become asymptomatic and no longer have the diagnosis of PTSD. Mm. And then of course the fourth phase is maintenance and growth. Mm-hmm. So looking at the future, you know, looking at future healing and, you know, as things come back up, right? So maybe some of the interventions were incomplete mm-hmm. or there's some kind of spontaneous recovery where a dormant circuit kind of, you know, reignites and, you know, old stuff comes back again. You're like, well, I thought I was done with this. Mm-hmm. And that's just saying, okay, well, we need to go back through this material and allow the brain to work with it with a new understanding um, and kind of working through that until those circuits are completely cleared and you no longer have that response when the material is brought up. So you can kind of you can tell your story Uh without going into an activated system. Wow. That's neat because sometimes I have said to clients, you know, some people are afraid to start engaging with traumatic stories and experiences because they're afraid they'll cry and cry and or have a breakdown and it will never stop. And I tell them sometimes you'll most likely notice that at the beginning you cry more and maybe the second time you cry but not as much. And it's sort of like that desensitization uh, sort of dropping down in intensity and not that it's always linear you know progress is often two steps forward one step back but knowing that if you face it it does get easier with time typically mm-hmm. um charles what chords were striking with you as anna was talking through those stages uh, it's just it was you know as she puts it you know i say all the time that anna says in one sentence what it usually takes me about a thousand words to get out <laughs> um and i've explained it you know very similar from my perspective even though i come from you know the neuronal you know neurochemical perspective you know what she's saying is absolutely absolutely correct and it's, i've watched people go through these processes but i think it you know one of the areas where we struggle with you know the breakdown is is that the you know people that are doing this and they're not making the progress like that's where a lot of my patients that come to see me is that they hit a wall it's like i'm doing everything i'm supposed to do i'm going through the programs i'm I'm practicing the coping mechanisms healthy outlets you know i'm i'm going through the trauma processing yet i'm I'm not making it beyond this point Mm. you know and it's and they get frustrated and then they get tired and Mm. they just you know then they just do nothing because they feel like all the work is useless um and so that's when i usually get them Mm -hmm. and i get a tired person you know who's Mm -hmm. already done everything else and they just can't you know it's and so to say you know we haven't tried everything Mm -hmm. when they come in it's 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 a it's a conversation Mm. you know and it's uh they just kind of like by that point they're just like whatever i don't care just do it and we'll see what happens Mm -hmm. and we and 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 uh but it's always exciting because usually after the first treatment if not the first one the second one we get a glimpse just a glimpse of light at mm-hmm. the end of the tunnel like they just we see a little bit of that person they were before and it's you know if one would get them there that'd be awesome but it's a series and it's a process it, it build it's progressive treatment so it builds on itself and so as we're going through the process eventually you know they feel better for no reason at first like mm-hmm. nothing's fundamentally changed they're just better able to be themselves and then as we move farther and farther out and as they continue to practice you know good 
you know, good self-care, good mm-hmm. mental health practices, they eventually start assuming control and ownership of of where they're at now and, you know, how their day goes. And it's, it starts being less affected by what came before. And but also too the trauma processing they're doing, you know, that's we insist they continue through that process because it's like, you know, it, it's like trying to run a marathon with a broken leg. You mm-hmm. know, it's they can. I mean, they're struggling. They're working harder than anybody else there, mm-hmm. but they're not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we correct the, you know, we correct the anatomy. We create an environment for healing. And then we take a step back. And even though they heal, that doesn't mean they're ready to start running marathons. Mm-hmm. They have to work back into it, and that's. Mm what you guys do it's like you get them ready for that marathon yeah all i did was get the anatomy correct Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if they don't use it Mm -hmm. yeah you know the word that popped into my mind was rejuvenation Mm. and optimization is a a great way to look at it but when anna said that your brain hits barriers you would understand the mechanisms by which your brain just gets these blockages or and people are doing the work and they just say you know this isn't enough it isn't working so the neurotherapy can maybe help the brain rejuvenate or heal or it just it removes barriers i say this isn't the fix this Mm -hmm. is what i tell all my patients this isn't the fix this is a facilitation of the fix we Mm -hmm. clear a path Mm -hmm. but you still have to walk it but it's much easier to walk that path without all this garbage in your way Um, and the trauma doesn't go away. It's like we don't take that piece of it away from you. It's always going to be a piece of who you are. It's something you lived through and you carry it. But the ability to put it away and live today and be present and, and respond to what's happening now, mm-hmm. that's good mental health. Mm-hmm. Being able to be, live in the moment and enjoy something if something's good. If something's sad, you get to feel it fully wow. and be able to pull back to neutral. Mm-hmm. So is that sort of the the best way to describe how ketamine infusion therapy kind of plays a part in this healing or how Mm -hmm. would you can you describe the treatment process a little bit so like in the case of uh you know ptsd alone uh we do six infusions over a three-week period each infusion lasts about 40 minutes door-to-door each appointment's about an hour and a half um Logistics are half the struggle for people because you have to have a driver. So it's not just your calendar and my calendar we sync up for appointments. We have to add in a third party. And so making sure that everybody, you know, everybody's ready to do this, that the support system's in place. So, you know, setting up for success before we begin, making sure the patient has a good or is educated to the best of their ability on what this is and how this is going to work. Um, and another thing, too, is we're competing with a lot of pseudoscience out there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, um, you know, from the psychedelic therapy perspective, while I'm, you know, I don't know enough about that side of, uh, you know, utilizing, say, hallucinogens and guided experience, because that's not what this is. You know, this is very pure medicine. This mm-hmm. is, um, it's an anesthetic that, you know, challenges the brain to create a mappable, measurable change that we can actually image and, and view it's uh this isn't um this isn't subjective mm-hmm. every single patient that goes through this process gets a measured neuroregenerative response that what determines success and failure is did i educate them on what they're looking for you know if you're expecting to come in and have a therapeutic breakthrough and then all the answers be you know be hovering above you in the ether then by, you're going to be disappointed 
But this is much more predictable and controlled than that's what some we like about those. it. You yes. know, that, I'm an anesthesia provider, and and I I only mess around with what I can control, mm-hmm. and we like that. That's that's why comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's being able to carry a patient, you know, get you know, clear the path to get the head, you know, functioning you know, the way it's supposed to, to where if they continue the same processes and negative coping mechanisms and unhealthy outlets they were using before, nothing changes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, they feel better for a period and then it, it wanes. But if, you know, I tell people this is a first step in a new way of managing your mental health. We're we're clearing the path, we're getting everything out of the way, and now you've got to do something different mm. um, than what we've been doing because what we were doing wasn't working. So I can actually, if you don't care, I'll speak on that. That's where therapy comes in is, you know, after that when the brain has been optimized, right? So learning new ways of being. Uh And, you know, after ketamine infusion, it's easier for the brain to do that. Uh And so, you know, a, a second ago when I was talking about barriers, so we're adaptive creatures, right? So we have those innate fight, flight, freeze responses, but we adapt to find other ways to manage threat, right? And Uh so as we get triggered or as new experiences come up, we have adaptive ways to manage those. Uh And those end up getting in our way. Those are the barriers, right? And so taking that learning that we've done all our life that's been successful, it's been protective, and trying to ask somebody, who walks into your therapy office, all right, we're going to learn how to be a new human being and behave in ways that have not not served you. And it just makes no sense. And Mm -hmm. it's very hard to do because they go back to those old ways because they have worked well. And so with an optimized brain, you go in to learn new ways of being. It's more effective. It's easier. It feels better. um, And you can start to see that long-lasting change because new circuitry is being formed and just to speak to that real quick it's you know also you know, building off of that and it, and one thing that i have seen consistently in the patients that have done the best they they have to tell i take ownership you know if we could throw them over our shoulder and carry them across that finish line any of us as providers would have done this by now it'd be so much easier but until they take ownership and they make the decision to make these changes it's uh that's that's when we actually see the patient take the huge leap forward mm-hmm. that's amazing well i'm happy we have someone here who's brave enough to share their story we have a, a josh here to share his testimonial and he was here last year when you were doing a series with cfc mm-hmm. and off the field so welcome josh uh thank you <laughs> nice nice to be here. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage to be willing to share your story. So, um, and just to bring, you know, human life and, and, you know, real color to the story of what Charles does. So, um, can you summarize some of the obstacles that led you to choose Scenic City Neurotherapy for your treatment? Uh, yes, ma'am. I suffer from PTSD and, and severe depression. And um, I've tried over the years, like you said earlier, a, a basically everything, honestly, uh, a, a long list of different, not just uh, med- medications, but also um, different treatment methods all, a, until my, my wife found this place online after a, a decade oh, nearly of, wow. <laughs> of different uh, treatment methods and, uh, and and found this place and they managed to get me in pretty, pretty, pretty easily, obviously, mm-hmm. get me in there. Wow, so Was it easy? Is that something I meant? No, I can, 
it was fun. It's well, fortunately we had the people that cared about him most in the world, kind of pulled him through the door. And yeah. so once we got him there, and he, Josh was, but he was a motivated patient. He mm. really he he wanted it. He was ready. That's amazing. You're resilient enough to not give up because a lot of people after one or two, you know, failed attempts with medication or therapist or different treatments, they would just say, forget this. I guess I'm going to have to live with this. Yeah. Well, like you said, the over the years, I just had tried multiple, multiple different methods. But honestly, at that point, then I, I, I had given up. I, I, I didn't I didn't care one way or the other to be to be 100 uh, percent mm. transparent. But my, my wife did. And <laughs> she uh, she didn't stop, and she found she found not this clinic, but she found the treatment method originally, and looked into it, and then managed to find the the, the, the clinic here local. Wow. Surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> um, and and when I actually you know they did it, multiple attempts, obviously to not not showing up, not coming, refusing, or just uh, and then got me down there, and it, it's it's been a, the the best by far. Um, mm. uh, as far as effectiveness on, on, on a long-term, long-term basis wow. and, and, and management. <laughs> That's amazing. So you were reluctant and skeptical, but you were willing to do it kind of for your wife, and now it's like the best treatment decision you ever made. Right, because it was really just, it, if it worked, great. If it didn't, it didn't matter You're way. used to things not working <laughs> right. at that point. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with what you noticed like I don't know you know the first second third uh, session or treatment um, what you noticed happening uh, I mean right out of the gate it actually wasn't until quite a few but really those initial ones then then I kind of um, I just kind of felt better hmm. you just kind of feel but then also that's not always the case mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes you just go right, but it, it was that small, like, like you said, kind of like more of a not hating everything all oh, the time. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then it slowly progressed to enjoying things that I hated, and and now I I don't even know how I used to think wow. uh, previously. <laughs> wow, like you, you almost can't remember how bad things were because your brain feels so much better. Yeah, it's it's over over the course of I mean it's a, a year and a half ago now, nearly. It's been a long time. Um, yeah, we've, we've come a long way, and but I've had a lot of patients that have been in there the same amount of time and have not made the progress Josh did because when Josh saw the you know when so it took a little while, like Josh said, he saw some initial shifts and you know. And we, we use the term better a lot. Better doesn't always mean good. Mm. It means better than it was. Yeah, less bad. You know, it's, <laughs> it is. We're moving things forward, but good is, is the goal. Um, and things got would get better for a short period of time, but till eventually he, I remember, I remember when he came in, him and his wife came in, and uh, is it okay if I share this story? Uh, yeah, with, um, you know, <laughs> they came in, and, and one of the things that we always struggled with is that there was a chair at home. And it was his chair. And he would always go back to that chair. Or we would always, you know, <laughs> and one of his outlets, which is a very common one these days, was just kind of get lost in video games. Mm-hmm. And you do that. And it's that was something that he would do. And we and we noticed that he, he had a, he had pain attached to his PTSD. And the worse the, you know, the worse the symptoms of PTSD got, the more the pain would increase. 
And every time he would get back in the chair and start playing video games, he felt his pain. And he identified this. I didn't identify hmm. this. He's the one that found this to the point to where, you know, his wife came in and was like, he threw the chair out. And I used that chair too. <laughs> I said, so now it's like, now we don't have that chair. And I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't tell him to throw the chair out. But <laughs> but it was the best thing he ever did because that was like him like making the change. He removed the barrier. It was symbolic. It was. It was very symbolic. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I actually use this in conversation with my other staff. And when we talk about a patient making a big change, we're like, they removed the chair. Mm-hmm. So Josh has actually created a, a new term around our <laughs> office. <laughs> but he's, uh, but, and, and I, and, you know, he undersells it. His work in this, him moving forward. I mean, he's he's gone from somebody who never, you know, was never moving and was non-functional and could barely leave the house to somebody who's who's back leading a, a normal, full life. He exercises regularly. He, you know, they get to, you know, and now is, you know, that's what his wife told me is like that she got her husband back. Wow, and he's brave enough to do this. I mean, that was I think a big this, step too. This, this is, is hard. <laughs> yeah. I know. So I, it's not as hard as standing, you know, teaching a class in front of a battalion. That's, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. That's, I was about to say. Yeah. That's worse. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad we're not that intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other, you know, I don't know, things you want to share about how you manage your symptoms or how you figure out when you need to get back to the office at Scenic City Neurotherapy for a booster and how often do you go back? Uh, yes, ma'am. The... Um, Basically, when um, I'm going about every 60 days, mm-hmm. roughly now, um, but that's one of those things to where it's it's subjective, I feel like, to me anyway, and, and I would, personally, I'd love it if it was 90. I feel like in the in the kind of t- mind frame I'm in, 90 days, no problem. Mm-hmm. Even, You're doing well enough. For, because if at a, at a certain point, like when as far as that that management when it comes in, then not only now do I have this as kind of that I don't want to use the reference of cigarettes which I I did stop smoking as well oh, <laughs> like over a year ago there, yeah on his own I, I didn't just, bring that up that's something he chose right yeah. um, but just to use that reference is, is if you have if you stop and you've got a if you've got a pack there then it, it's it make a little bit of a comfort mm-hmm. um, to have even if you're not but that's kind of that same mentality a little bit mm-hmm. uh, that 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 kind of that that comfort area that I know that that is going to do what it does, whether I want it to or not. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to do exactly what it's that It's reliable. It gives you what you need when you're ready so, to go back. Exactly. And I can basically use that to where I can focus on my own mental, like I, whatever, whatever they're called, uh, the, the tools that mm-hmm. you use to, to coping mechanism yeah. stuff. When I do start getting really stressed or anxious or I had a really, really problem with, with really, really low self-worth. And mm. feeling of worthlessness and, and suicidal ideations and, and those are when I, I notice any type of that that's maybe kind of a, a, an mm-hmm. indicator a lot of times when I, I should probably come in mm-hmm. um, because I just don't want to ever entertain anything like that ever again mm. well, you're life. probably too hard on yourself you need to listen <laughs> to my never perfect podcast <laughs> that's neat though um, so you go every two to three months depending on um, yes, when you need it and you know it helps and you know it's there mm-hmm. Um, and that gives you hope and comfort, something healthy. And, and that really is the heartbreaking thing about addictions, whether it's, you know, to social media, video games, alcohol, drugs. So many people are just looking for something to, you know, calm the ache or calm the loneliness or 
the trauma and it, it makes me so sad when they don't know that things like this exist that can help them in a constructive way with no downside, mm-hmm. you know, because we know alcohol and drugs have a huge downside and addictions do. And, and that's why I'm glad we're getting the word out there, because I think if more people knew what this is and what it does, they would try that instead of trying a, sort of an unhealthy coping mechanism. I'm sure you see that a lot, Anna, with uh, people. Well, you mentioned addictions and prison and trauma. Just trying to stop the brain and stop the flashbacks and get out of that, you Mm -hmm. know, adrenaline mode, fight or flight, um, or shutdown mode. It's exterior ways of regulating your internal system. Mm Mm-hmm. And people are really creative um, at ways to do that. But ones that you know we tend to go to first are Uh are those that are available to us and you know we live in a society where where alcohol is prevalent Uh Um, pharmaceuticals are also prevalent Uh it's an epidemic Um, and so those tend to be go-to's for people Uh i talk to my patients with their follow-up i'm like listen we'll we'll create coping mechanisms and outlets and the only thing that determines they all work. That's why they're there. It's it's whether they're healthy or unhealthy, if they leave you better or worse. Mm. And if we don't consciously make healthy ones, we will unconsciously create unhealthy ones. And that's something, it's just that, you know, that thought-driven, you know, progress that we need to make. And that happens with the support of people that know how to help you build those, co- you know, healthy outlets and coping mechanisms. You know, I'm, I remind my patients all the time, I said, I'm not your mental health provider. I said, I can tell you what I do, but mm-hmm. I made that that's in all likelihood not going to help you. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, and a lot of times I try to do better. You know, I you know do as I say, not as I do sometimes. But I, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. we all struggle with something. You know, with oh, with yeah. our mental health to some degree. Every single person in the world, it's it's a constant battle, and it's just keeping us the best version of ourselves. Mm. That's so good. Well, anything else um, that any of you would like to say about just you know the the work that you do or the progress that you've made or what you would like to tell someone else who's struggling with trauma or anything like that uh, <laughs> well, I gotta I gotta throw this out I always do is it just you gotta start start getting out of your own way listen mm. to your doctors mm. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's half the battle that's yeah it's uh you know it's Mm-hmm. It, we're all out here. You have a team of people out here that are, you know, and not everybody does. But building that support system is important. Having people in your life, they all want what's best for you. They don't always know what the right answer is, and they're all going to do their best. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, widen that circle. And anyone that has questions, ask questions. You know, if you want to know, if, like, if you know, if you hear this podcast, and you're like, ketamine infusion therapy, you know, that's, you know, what's up with that? Talk to your provider. Mm-hmm. I've worked very hard to educate our community, all of the medical providers in our community on what this is, and more importantly, what this isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stigma out there around mental health and around treatments associated with mental health. I said, so this is this is something that, you know, if or even have your provider reach out to us. It's mm-hmm. something I do all the time. Every single week, I have at least two or three different providers come in, see what we do, walk through the process with us with actual patients. That's how I met you. Yeah, yeah. And I was blown away, and my nurse friend was too. We were both, we need to get this. Um, and I, I really like what you said, Josh. It's sort of something to the effect of it's worth a try. Like, what do you have to lose? And I know Charles offers a free consultation, so there's truly nothing to lose financially either just by looking into it. 
And um, can you remind me your website in case they want to see more testimonials? Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, sceniccityneurotherapy.com or sceniccityneuro.com. Either one will work. Um, and they'll get you to the same place. It's, uh, there's testimonials. There's education. There's all sorts of videos. There's plenty to read. Um, we're real big on education, and that's like with our consultations. It's about an hour of our hour of my time or my other provider will sit down with you, and answer any questions you have, and it doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. It's education shouldn't shouldn't cost, especially as something this new and this different than what you're used to. So, um, just you know, to see if this is a good idea, to see if you qualify. We all kind of get on the same page. We mm-hmm. involve your other providers as you know to the extent of their comfort, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and make sure that this is uh, something that we all agree will move you forward. And if shopping is one of your addictions, you're right by Hamilton Place Mall. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anna, would you like to share your contact information in case someone needs some trauma work? Sure, Um, all of my info, and you can contact me directly through my website, it's railroadvalley.com. Railroadvalley.com, okay, good. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. And Josh, thank you. I hope you keep telling people your story because everybody's always looking for referrals for good therapists, good treatments, good supplements. And I think it's such a gift to share your own mental health story with people and destigmatize that. That's why I tell everybody I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for doing thank this. And, have, and Josh, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Thank you so yeah. much, sir. Thank you all. Thank you all for having me, too.